0: Welcome to our Unveiled Podcast. We are an extension of the Women's Life Ministry at Harvest Bible Church in Windsor. And our desire is to reach women and shape the culture of women so that women can live truly alive throughout this pandemic, but also beyond. We find our life in Jesus. We want you to know him and we want him to help shape your life to reflect his glory. And that's why we talk about everyday events that women experience. And we like to talk about things other than just the current virus because life is still fun. There's still things to look forward to. There's still things to plan. And we still need to invest in the rest of our life as well, even though the virus has probably affected most of our lives in in some way or another, there's still things that we want to be growing and developing in and in having our worldview shaped in light of scripture even beyond the virus. And so we want to be culture shapers by challenging you to think through life through the lens of scripture rather than just blending into the things that you see all around you. I think it's very important to do that because there's so many new laws and and things coming out that are anti-Christian, anti-biblical. And we want to begin thinking about all those things and knowing how to speak truthfully into those different uh, aspects of life so that as Christians, we are helping to shape culture rather than destroy it. And so we have to be careful But everything that we listen to. Just because we have felt it doesn't mean it's true. Just because we've believed it and been told it's true doesn't mean it's true. Rather, what does God's word say? We always want to go back to God's word and live in light of that. And so uh, most of the things that we talk about here are relevant uh, to what is uh, going on in our world, but also the things that are relevant in our lives, in our day-to-day lives. And weddings are still being planned and they're still taking place. I personally do not believe that weddings should be put on hold just because there's current restrictions, and um, you can't necessarily have the party that you longed for. Certainly, my heart goes out to the couples that are planning weddings right now, and they can't invite all their friends or their family that they would have liked to have participate in it but if we really do understand marriage to be God's design and that we want to marry in order to honor him then the party really should be the second um second part of it all first and foremost why extend a marriage that is designed by God just so that we can have the party that we always wanted to and so i think we have to be careful there i don't personally encourage postponing a wedding I think you want to get married and honor the Lord and um, begin living uh, in light of that. But that's, that's a personal opinion. I do <laughs> recognize that. Uh, but I do like the fact that there are still couples getting married. And I love the fact that some of them have just been quite content to make their weddings more simple. It has reduced the stress. It has reduced some of the family friction or the offenses that sometimes happen in weddings because people expect this and that and this and that. And so some of the people pleasing, I think, has been diminished because we just can't do all the things that, you know, we would have done a couple of years ago. Uh, of course, the summer weddings that are coming up this year, I'm sure the brides are still hoping that things open up a lot more than they are right now so that they can have their guest list and and invite all the important people in their lives. But we have to be prepared to modify that. And that's part of the stress. It can lessen the stress because we're not having as many people, but it can also make the stress even bigger if we don't know what to actually plan for and I think, regardless of what your wedding's going to look like, whether it's, um, Uh, you know, or hindered or limited, maybe is a better word, by, by finances, or if it's limited because of our current restrictions, I think we can still have a beautiful wedding. And beauty is something that really should be displaying God's glory. And so we don't have to be ashamed as women to desire a beautiful wedding, if we really understand it that way. And that's where maybe we need to redefine beauty. It's not just in what people can do or people can create. It's never self-focused, but all beauty is meant to display God's glory. Uh, And so we want to go into our weddings with that perspective as well. How can I make a beautiful wedding that honors and glorifies God, that reflects His beauty? An article from the Answers in Genesis uh, blog states that beauty Done from a God fearing heart mimics the creator. So, to me, that's inspiring and just gives me a refreshing look at what beauty is all about. And so, once again, I have our personal wedding planner with me, Karen (laughs) Hazard. She's been with me now. This is our third week. Super happy to have her with me. And I know she loves the planning part. She certainly puts a lot of thought into what a, a godly marriage is all about. But wedding planning is part of that, and it's it's something that we have to be prepared to do, and we want to do it well. And so last week, we talked about some of the engagement customs of the Bible, and today we're going to focus specifically on that wedding day. And so, Karen, how can we enter into that wedding day, create a beautiful wedding that mimics our Creator?
1: Awesome, awesome question. I love that you pointed out that, you know, we want our marriage to to imitate our relationship with Christ, but our wedding can do that as well. Mm-hmm. And and beauty, like you said, is there's nothing wrong with making a beautiful day as long as it's not glorifying ourself, but it's glorifying God. So I have a couple... Um, Things that I wanted to point out that can can really help with that. And the first thing is stewarding our money. Mm. So much of a wedding revolves around money. Mm -hmm. How much do I have? Where am I spending it? But God has given us everything we have. We know that. And as much as we want to have an awesome day that everyone will remember, what exactly do we want them to remember? Do we want them to remember that the food was good or that they saw something different in how you did things? that they heard the gospel message boldly preached that they saw a wedding that was so filled with love for each other and that love for God and and that's what we want the takeaway to be so that's what we want the focus to be
0: mhm and beauty things like flowers and decorations they can help build the atmosphere but it's god's presence that is going to ultimately blow our 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 wedding out of, you know, the regular norms and just show that it is a wedding that has had the presence and the thumbprint of God all over it. Mm. And so you talk about money and how to plan uh, a wedding and adding God into the details. So important to make our wedding gospel-centered. And this starts with the message that we ask um, our pastor presents the guests that we invite, uh, the reception, all of this should intentionally be designed to put the gospel on display. And for for people who've never planned a big event or an event at the church, this might be overwhelming. And mm-hmm. so where mm-hmm. do they start?
1: <laughs> okay, I have some great practical tips on that. I've been doing this for a really long time. I was a florist at first, and then I became a wedding planner at the shop I was at. And now I just love helping brides, Christian brides plan their weddings because there's something different about Mm -hmm. planning a Christian wedding. Um, Like we said, it's, it's not glorifying self and how can I make everyone look at me, but how can I make everyone look at God? So first of all, one question that always gets asked is someone wants to know how long of an engagement do I need how long do I need to plan a wedding and so I sat down with a bride um actually last year that wanted to get married in the middle of all this crazy um COVID restrictions and everything and we were able to plan her entire wedding in two hours so that should kind of give you a a little Mm -hmm. bit of an idea because all she needed to do after that was call the vendors book them and buy supplies So a wedding can be planned and executed in as little as a few weeks. So if you are engaged and you don't want to wait until restrictions are lifted, you can plan a wedding, you can make something happen. Even it being minimal, you can get married now and have a big party later, whatever that looks like. But on average, if you are looking to um, plan certain venues, like if you have a certain venue in mind that you want, then you're you're going to end up be booking around their schedule. But that likely can be about six months. So yep. a six months engagement, enough time to plan a wedding. Because as we've said, once you're engaged, you shouldn't be wondering <laughs> or figuring out if you're marrying this person. That's how that's that's the time you need to actually plan the wedding. So, like you said, where to start? Um, so we had talked before about the list of the this or that. So, you know, do we want it indoors or outdoors? So, what you want to do is you want to take that list. Do you want it outdoor? So which places in the area offer an outdoor venue? So then you want to go and see those venues, decide which one is best and book it. And then you do that for each item on your this or that list. So that is going to check things off really quickly for you. Not wondering what's to do next. You don't necessarily need the huge binder that tells you all the things that you need to do. Start with that list, start with a this or that, what do we want for that day? And then go from there the next thing you want to do is make a day of schedule. So, starting this early is key to a successful wedding because this allows you to plan out the day and then see what exactly is needed. So, we often forget about this. We, we leave this into the last minute. But I want to kind of point out how if you do this first, it makes such a difference. Mm. So, example, if you wanted to eat dinner at 6 at your, on your wedding day, then you need to start the reception at 530 And so then you need to be back from your photos at 5. And if you want photos to be taken for 2 plus hours and then drive time, then photos have to start at 2.30. So then the ceremony will be 45 minutes. So then you can't start the ceremony earlier than 1.30. So then you need to be at the church by 1. So then hair, makeup, and getting dressed probably takes about 4 hours, depending on the number of people you have. So that's when you can come to the point and say, okay, we need to start the day at this time. So you kind of get what I mean. Like it, mm-hmm. it shows, it can, works backwards um, from the time you want to eat, maybe the time you want to leave the reception um, and work backwards so that you're, you're making a schedule. And then once you do that, you'll be able to figure out the next steps to take. Okay. So I need to contact the hair. I need to contact the makeup. I need to contact the church and book that and booking those times. And your vendors, which are the people that are going to be servicing you mm-hmm. on your wedding, the places you're going to be using, um, they will always ask for a timeline. They'll say, okay, so what time are you planning on eating? And if you, uh, um, we hadn't thought about mm-hmm. that, it's way better to come forward and say, you know what, we, we've actually already had that planned out. And then that timeline can be tweaked. You know, maybe your photographer says, I need three hours or I need an hour. And then you can kind of work around that, but at least you have a starting point. Um, and that starting point is going to help everyone out and again eliminate mm. that stress uh, or at least minimize it significantly and allow you to have bearings on where to go mm. next
0: I think that's super important because when we have a plan and when we have solid answers it does help eliminate stress you can communicate it everybody's on the same page and everybody everybody knows what to expect We know that even with the best intentions, there can be, you know, anxiety or stress when it comes to a wedding. Emotions run high. It's a significant day. And we want to be able to do whatever we can to eliminate that. But at the same time, we have to check our hearts, right? Mm. And make sure that we're not controlling all of that. Somehow we want to communicate this is our plan. But if something happens, we're going to trust God with the details of that too, right? And so we have to Check our own heart and say, hey, if something falls through, I'm still going to enjoy my day. I'm not going to respond in a way that I'm going to regret mm-hmm. later on. This is still a day that is ultimately for the glory of God. And and yes, I'm going to do my part. But if things change that are out of my control, I'm going to have the right attitude. And my bridesmaids, please have the right <laughs> attitude.
1: Let's be prepared for it. Exactly
0: if something does happen, right?
1: And and even further on that, um, in Windsor, we're very lucky, Windsor-Essex mm. County, the wedding industry is extremely saturated. Mm. So if your photographer cancels, there are hundreds of photographers. Mm. If your venue cancels, there is lots of options, mm. even if it ends up meaning, you know, you contact someone from the church that you know has a huge backyard and you, you put up one of the festival like or one of the large tents and you you make it work. There's always backup plans. So kind of have that plan A, but also realizing again that things change, yeah. circumstances come up, you can't control. And so being um, just calm and, and realizing that God wants this marriage to happen. Mm-hmm. He wants um, godly men and women to come together to glorify him. And so there will be a way to make this work, even if it's not plan A.
0: Absolutely. And our response can sometimes be the greatest testimony that our guests are going to see, right? And we have to be prepared for, hey, what if someone gets a flat tire on hmm. their way back to the reception? Or what if some family member or someone in the bridal party suddenly feels sick and there's a bit of a delay there? I don't think those are common things, but they could happen. Hmm. Whatever happens, let's let's have a plan but be prepared to not get stressed out if the plan suddenly changes, right? I think it's super important, especially for for us as women that like to have everything in order. And it's our desire for control that I think we all struggle with to some extent. Uh, and so I'm all about planning, but being prepared to be flexible too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know um, if we are willing to be flexible, I think it shows our heart And that our heart really is not just about us, but about God's glory and all of life. And even our wedding day, we have to give to the Lord and say, uh, it's all for your glory. First Corinthians 10 31 very clearly tells us whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. So let's enter into our wedding day with that perspective. And we have to be careful not to allow the messages from our society to get ingrained into our minds. Rather, let's fill our minds with scripture. Things like your wedding should be all about the two of you as a couple. It's your day. They might sound good and they might sound reasonable and we might say, yeah, it is about my day. I'm going to do what I want to do. But if that means that you're trying to glorify yourself, we really have to be careful about that. We are having this wedding to bring glory to God. And the byproduct will certainly be that we're enjoying it as well. But our first intention should be God's glory. Um, And so we have to ask ourselves things like, how much of this, the things that I'm planning, is this for God's glory or am I trying to appease people? And am I trying to get them to like me? And Mm. am I more concerned about what people think than what God thinks? And sadly, weddings can be a very selfish time, especially for brides. And we want to guard against this. The bride isn't the most important person at the wedding. The Lord is. And uh, once again, our wedding, we want our wedding to display the gospel. And so weddings can look very differently from each other, <laughs> and they can be equally glorifying to God. Mm-hmm. There might be a couple that has, you know, a, a big budget, and some couples have a small budget, and it shouldn't even be about that. But how do you even help couples with a very variety of different uh, financial resources to plan a day that glorifies God?
1: Well, first of all, I'm glad you pointed that out because oftentimes we assume that everyone is on a tight budget, but sometimes we do have parents that have planned ahead for this. They knew they had four girls. Mm -hmm. They knew that they would have to help with four weddings. And so they planned ahead from the time their children were little. Mm -hmm. And so they want to offer that gift to their children. And that doesn't mean that that wedding is more selfish because there's more finances to use. It just means that it can be used in a way to glorify God. And the same thing with a tight budget so practically speaking I want to talk on um, some ways to actually use your money like we said steward your money mm-hmm. the best so on a tight budget um, the one thing I always want to talk to brides about is the fact that venues are a huge expense we think that they have they have everything so it's easy but since they have everything they can charge whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so always be sure to think outside the box on that one. So maybe stay away from the most popular venues and look for the less well-known ones. Also, you want to, to try to find friends that have skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you could ask around your friend group, ask around your church for anyone who's a DJ, a florist, a photographer, a caterer, because people you know aren't always going to do it for free, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they're more likely to be looking to get you the best deal possible. Um, And then have people help. So things like set up, putting on those tablecloths, your teardown. These are all extra hidden fees um, for a lot of companies. So mention that you have help and if you could possibly do those things yourself. You could also use that as a ministry opportunity Mm -hmm. saying to um, an event company, like, listen, I know that you guys typically come and take off all the tablecloths and fold up all the chairs at you know, the late hours of the night when the wedding's done. Mm. But we actually have a really big church community or we have a large family and we would mm. love to, like, could we just do that for you? You know, maybe they will give you money off. Maybe it'll just be a way, again, of showing, you know, we we want to love on you. We don't want you to have to come out late at night. If we're already here, we don't mind throwing the tablecloths in a bag for you and you could pick them up the next morning. Hmm. I like the way you point out that
0: even if it doesn't cost you less, it's still a great opportunity for witness and ministry.
1: Right. And, and simplicity doesn't like, doesn't necessarily mean that the wedding is going to be less. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that, um, you know, if I just pick the simplest flowers that it's going to cost me the less, the least amount of money, but it's all about where you're going to spend that money. You know, so picking, oftentimes I tell people pick three things that you want to spend your money on. So between you and your fiance is it, you know, you want everyone to have a nice meal. That's great. But you also don't have to serve Two meats. When I go to mm-hmm. your house, you're not going to invite me over for um, a roast beef and chicken dinner. You know, so. Maybe depending lo- on the culture. Some <laughs> cultures might. <laughs> Some cultures <laughs> might. Some cultures might. But that doesn't have to be a thing. So you could just choose either a really nice chicken dish or you could um, put on those invitation cards hey, you know, pick either beef or chicken or fish or whatever I love you're that. looking I think, for. Yeah,
0: a lot of couples do that. And
1: that then it, it significantly decreases the price of your food right? So little things like that. There's always ways to still have a beautiful wedding, but make it um, a a great stewarding of your money. And then on the the, the flip side of that, so if you have a large budget, so a lot of those same things apply. Remember that you still want people to walk away knowing that you love God and that you're serving him, but also be really aware to be humble. Mm, mm-hmm. So, a lot of your friends may be in the same season, but in a different financial situation. So, if they see that you're, you know, booking the top of the top of the top in every, in every category, that's fine. You know, God has blessed your family mm. in that way. But being humble, saying, you know, we're, you know, our family, our family is helping us out. So, we're just really grateful for that. Mm. And we're just hoping that we can, you know, use that money best. So, still, you even if you have a large budget, doesn't mean you have to have the multiple, the multiple meets mm-hmm. and the you know the the huge lavish bride and groom chairs at the head of the table that you rent it out because it just draws that attention to you. Instead, you can do things with that money, mm-hmm. like maybe um, hiring someone that uh, is from your church that you want them to have the contract. You want Mm. them to have that money. You know, you want to hire the DJ from that, you know, so that you can give him that money and you can pay him the same you would a a top end um, vendor because you know that he's going to do it to glorify God. You know that he's going to do it as an act of love to you. So using that money doesn't necessarily mean you have to use it since you have more of it doesn't mean you have to use it for the larger, Big expensive things but using that to bless other people as you plan the same the same style of wedding Mm -hmm. i like that and
0: i think um certainly the most important part is that we're checking our hearts i like the way that you brought out the the concept of being humble and humility isn't something that we can put a show on about it's Mm -hmm. something that god creates in us as we surrender to him right and so certainly even before the wedding day, we want to be guarding our hearts, making sure that we're surrendered to the Lord, that our, our life is one that is characterized by humility, not pride. So that's the most important thing. And I don't really want to go into a big list of things that we can do to have a God-honoring wedding. And yet there are a few things that sometimes people do don't even realize Mm -hmm. that they can do to make it a Christian wedding rather than just a regular old wedding that anybody could have. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that you would say, particularly to the bride, that she should keep in mind as she plans her wedding to make it a wedding that is filled with the presence and glory of God
1: rather than focused on self? Awesome. Rather than, like you said, rather than just listing out details, I just kind of want to talk on how to make God central Mm -hmm. in every detail. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I would really remind brides to do, and grooms too, we don't want to forget that we want the grooms involved as much Mm -hmm. as they they want to be or they care to be or the bride needs them to be. um, As a couple, you want to be asking yourself, how does this direct people to God?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I'll I'll give an example of that. Um, My wedding dress. So when I'm trying on dresses, am I looking for the one that looks best on me or am I looking for something that's modest? Mm. So when I put on that low cut, no back, super tight dress, am I showing people that I love God and my future husband and that I am, cons- uh, I have been careful with my purity or am I really just putting it on because I look hot, even if it may cause people to look at me sexually? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that if you wear a tight dress that you don't care about your purity, that's not that the point we're trying to make we're saying how does this direct people to god are people distracted is the mm. <laughs> this is this is something kind of comical but i'm sure you come across this is the pastor going to be distracted as he's marrying me with mm. how i'm wearing my dress are things spilling out that you know should be saved for just my husband or am i standing before my church my pastor wearing a dress that probably is more suited for my bedroom.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good point. And like we've talked about, I think it was in last week's podcast, that the importance of beauty and uh, how beauty is um, something that God has designed and it's a good thing. It should be uh, displaying his glory. At the same time, there's nothing wrong with the bride looking beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a brother in Christ can acknowledge that it's a beautiful bride and... He shouldn't have to look at the bride thinking, I have to keep my head up. I can't, you know, (laughs) kind of not look her in the eye. Mm -hmm. Like if he's not able Mm -hmm. to look her in the eye or if he's got to keep his eyes up at all times in order to look like he's a man of integrity, it's probably not the right wedding dress. Exactly. We can be beautiful and modest at the same
1: time. Exactly. Another thing I wanted to talk on is wedding vows. So when you were saying that does this wedding look and sound like every other wedding? Or can you tell that this is a Christian wedding? And that can come out in our vows. So do our vows sound like we're putting Christ first and looking to him for how we want to love our husband, no matter the season? So we want to be asking ourselves that, again, how does this direct people to God? Do my vows, not that there's anything wrong with the standard vows, but do my vows sound different than Mm -hmm. everyone else's? I think that's beautiful. I've been to some really amazing
0: Christian weddings where the vows have been so awe-striking because they have absolutely been humble and selfless and honoring to the Lord. And so I think it is important not just to grab a script from, you know, the media, from, <laughs> from social media, from the internet, but think through, like, what what are you actually promising to each mm-hmm. other and make it uh, an opportunity to glorify
1: God in your, in your vows? Yeah. And asking yourself those questions throughout that whole planning process, um, that will help you make choices that showcase the love you have for your spouse because of the love you Mm. received from Christ. Mm -hmm.
0: And then we can remind ourselves after the wedding day when things get tough, hey, you know, like this wedding was a a covenant that we made before the Lord, before witnesses. We got to stay on track here. We cannot, you know, sleep or slumber or get lazy or get sidetracked we have to stay on mission in our wedding and it's kind of an accountability or it should be an accountability to keep on going when things get tough because Mm -hmm. there will be some tough times that we face after we are married even if we both love the lord Mm -hmm. and uh so yeah all of that is practice anything else that you wanted to add
1: before we finish up the day of wedding planning i would just really encourage um brides and grooms to to continue to be in their word during the planning process. Mm, um, good. if you're spending all of your time, like we mentioned last week, if you're spending all of your time talking about the wedding, every hangout is focused around, okay, what has to get done? Who do I have to call? What DIY things are we going to make? That is going to add unnecessary mm. pressure and stress. And honestly, it's going to confuse your groom. He's going to be like, oh, you know, when we were dating, like we, we did all these great mm. things together. And now all you talk about is this day, like, can, can we just move on? Like, can we, can we talk about something else? Can we talk about each other? Can mm. we, can we still remember to be here for each other? Can we still remember to start habits in our engagement now that are going to carry into our wedding? You know, we don't want to start devotions together on our wedding, uh, the day after our wedding, on our honeymoon. We want to start devotions now mm-hmm. so that we can carry that through. So remembering to be focused, to be in the word, and then that you, if you're doing that, you won't necessarily have to keep asking yourself, does this direct people to God? Because you're so centered in the word that everything you do flows out of that. Absolutely. And that takes us
0: to the, the importance of prayer as well. Prayer and the word takes us into fellowship with the Lord. And when we're in fellowship with the Lord... The natural outpouring will be a day that is glorifying to him Mm -hmm. and filled with his glory. And so we want to be prayer-filled throughout the whole process of planning our wedding, but also on the wedding day, taking time to pray with our bridesmaids or maybe having someone pray for us, Mm -hmm. praying with our groom and uh, making sure it's a prayer-filled day. Uh, When we started off this series, I actually started uh, a podcast The series started with talking to the moms in particular. It's one of those things that I had noticed in our premarriage classes that wow, like we're preparing these couples, but sometimes the moms and the dads. But I minister to women, (laughs) so you know my focus is on women. Sometimes women need some encouragement. Sometimes they need some direction on what it takes to be the mom of the wedding. And as we all know, moms often have a bad rap. You know, they there's all these jokes about the bad mother-in-law. And, mm. you know, we don't want to be that kind of woman. If we're women that are are seeking to glorify God, we can be a mother or a mother-in-law who doesn't have to be so annoying. And I remember when I was planning my son's wedding, uh, Rhonda and Michelle were a huge encouragement to me. They're the ones that started the podcast with me on the topic of talking to moms. And they just reminded me the importance of prayer. And my son got married three hours away from our home. And his wife is super at planning events. And I really didn't have a specific role to play. And that was okay, especially after I was reminded that my most important role was to pray, mm-hmm. and what a beautiful reminder that was. I don't have to get involved as a mom in all the details, but I want to be praying for this new couple, for their day, for God to be glorified. And my son's wedding in August of 2019 was—I can absolutely say—one of the happiest days of my life. I can say that I was probably filled with joy for a whole week as a result of that day. It was such a beautiful uh, wedding. I. I think one of my favorite parts, well, definitely one of my favorite parts was seeing my son and his new wife raising their hands in worship. And I thought, what better way to start a marriage than to have our hands lifted up in praise to our God. And it was a wedding that was created to put God on display. And I didn't have a significant role there. My husband was the pastor, so he had a role. Two of my boys were standing up in the wedding party. My daughter was playing the piano that was okay. Actually, one of the things I really enjoyed about that day was the preparation of it. And, Karen, you were involved. <laughs> you were doing flowers. And I can honestly say having the opportunity to hold your Josiah mm-hmm. while you were putting all the beautiful flowers together was a great delight to me. It was such mm-hmm. a relaxing day. I sat there as you were getting ready. Was it? The, I think it was the day of the wedding. You were putting all these flowers and these beautiful arrangements and I got to sit back and hold a baby. Like, how how much greater of a role can that
1: be? I got to hold a baby while you got to do the decorating and flower And again, uh, how much of a blessing you were able to be to a vendor. For me, like, as I was doing the flowers, I was able to not have – I thought I was going to have to have my baby strapped to me and bending over and picking up stuff. And you were just such a blessing because you you were – calm, everything was planned, and you just got to be a blessing to me and a blessing to so many other people that were also there to help plan. Because you were available, right? You weren't consumed with stress. You weren't running around at the last minute. Yeah,
0: because I didn't have that specific role. And I like being that person that can be available, Mm -hmm. obviously, in much of my life. I have a lot of things to do, and I like that too. But when God gives me an opportunity to sit back and relax and just be available, I'm very happy to do that as well. So, yes, it definitely ended up being a beautiful day. And so I just encourage uh, our brides, our listeners, to just go forward with their wedding day, remembering that they want to put God on display. This is unique to what we see. It goes against modern culture, and yet it will result in the most beautiful and fulfilling day that you could ever imagine. And so, brides, don't be ashamed of getting your hair done or putting on beautiful makeup and decorating the church or the hall with flowers. It's all part of pointing to the radiance of our God. As his love and grace shine through you, through your heart of humility, he will be glorified and lifted high. It's all for his glory and you have the privilege on this special day to point others to him. And so we finish here with our series on wedding planning. It's just been a lot of fun. And I trust that our listeners will be blessed and equipped through this. Next week, we'll be uh, starting a new series on education choices for our children. So please join us again next week.